Ashley Sadu, we are live, Crazy Damn Canadians, and we have been trying to get you on this podcast for a long time, and yes. so I'm so happy you finally agreed. Thanks for being here. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, episode 32. We've been doing this for just over a year now, and you are a very inspiring person to a lot of people. We've known each other from years ago when we connected on a videography project, mm -hmm. and that video videography project was talking about you as a logging truck driver in Canada being in a male-dominated industry and your experiences in that industry. How did you get involved in that industry? I guess it started when I was a kid. My dad has always been an owner-operator with trucks. Like He went from highway trucks hauling fish to Prince Rupert to logging to selling out logging you go back to highway and kind of back and forth and as a teenager, um, I'd work in the yard a little bit with my dad and I remember one time I was actually late for work because I was babysitting my brother's kids and I came in to late to work and me and my dad, my dad was mad that I was late and I called him, I told him I was going to be late and it wasn't acceptable and uh, he ended up making me um, stack two by fours and they were like all nicely in a pile and he made me move them from this pile to this pile and I was choked as a sassy teenage <laughs> girl, you know what I mean? And I ended up quitting that day after I just got brand new work boots because I was so mad. But it was a really good lesson actually because I, my jobs after that, there was no way I was any more than a half an hour early. Every single time I'd go to work. So I started as a young kid and um, working alongside my dad and actually even, even younger than a teenager, jumping in the truck with him and going down the highways. and. I don't know if it's legal or not, but I'd sit on his lap and drive. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually were just looking at a, a picture of, of you and your, your two brothers when you were young kids. Mm -hmm. and, and this must have been one of your dad's trucks or your, yep. or your uncle's truck. Yep, my dad's. Yeah, yeah, because they have, that's awesome, they have yeah. the company Malatruckin, right? Yeah. But there's two different companies. Your, your dad has a company and your uncle has a yep. company? Yeah, so my dad is Malatrucking and then my uncle is Malatransport. Oh, okay, yeah. so your uncle would be on highways and logging roads yeah. then? Yeah, he, he actually, so he started with the lumber and then he got into logging too and he's pretty full-fledged into logging now. He has a couple lumber trucks, but nice. he's gone the logging route too. And when did you first get behind the wheel? Oh. I mean, I we don't want to get your, comp your dad's company in trouble or anything. <laughs> Six years old, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Six years old. <laughs> Um, no, I, it was uh, about five years ago now, or this is, I, so this is my fourth year with my full license, so I would have started training the year before that, so five. Yeah, um, and that's your class one. Yeah, that's yeah. my class one, getting my class one, and I came, I quit my job as a restaurant manager, and at I- At the Twisted Cork. Yeah, at the yeah, Twisted Cork, I and I went into, I went to India for a month, and I came back, and my dad said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know, what am I going to do? And he told me to go get my class one, so I did, and- he it was originally just a fallback plan because like, it's a pretty well-paying job for like you know that you can get into so that was it and then yeah I fell into it and um, I don't per se drive full-time now but I'm super into the industry and um, I guess um, trying to be a role model for other in particular young women and young men coming into industries like this and like kind of vouching for it you know because I think the trucking and transportation industry is kind of it flies under the radar and maybe sometimes it doesn't have the best kind of rep around but it's actually like the people out there and you know you see these people on the roads and you just see a truck going by but little do you know this person like I when I get behind of a wheel I'm like so passionate about my truck it has to be the shiniest one out there and if it's not I'm like I'm kind of embarrassed and there's so many people out there that are like that that aren't just you know they're not just steering wheel holders they're really into the industry and passionate about trucks and whatnot too 
And when we collaborated on a video a few years back, I believe it was three years ago, <laughs> what was great about that video wasn't so much the reach, and it, it reached over 50,000 people just on, mm -hmm. on Facebook alone, but it was the engagement factor because you had a lot of, especially young female demographic that were getting tagged mm. in that video post with, with them getting tagged and then a, a link to a, a heavy duty mechanic or, or carpentry and saying, mm -hmm. you, you should go for this. We're talking about this. You should cool. pursue that program. And to me, that was so motivational because I, I knew that your video by others learning your story, mm -hmm. it was inspiring them to follow their own path that might be in a male dominated industry or, mm -hmm. or some kind of profession that didn't have a, a lot of females in that career sector. Yeah. And to me, that was very rewarding and you must see that all the time just in in general day-to-day -day conversations absolutely yeah and even with like there's also like men out there that are intimidated to get into login but in all honesty female or male if i can do it you can do it too yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and um actually funny so you touch on that point but so my role now within the company is more um leading to be in in a leadership role where i'm trying to attract more people into the industry so um, myself, so my HR worker. Yes, while well, my title at Mala is now HR manager, but my brother, myself, and my dad um, just started another business, and it's called Spire Industries, and we are like a service and repair shop for that industry. So, in turn, I'm I hire for that industry, so I look for um, heavy duty mechanics and welders and whatnot. And so I'm always reaching out to find if there's any females that are like interested in coming in because we'd love to give them the opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of cool where things are turning and changing and the different roles and so much stuff that I learn every day, right? Yeah, I, f I feel like your entire family is a bunch of serial entrepreneurs. Just one idea after the other. And when you went to India, you were there for a month. Mm -hmm. That is to did you go to your your dad's hometown, your uncle's hometown, mm -hmm. and that is the Mal Mala. Yeah. 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 So I don't really, I can't really say it with the accent, but it's like Mala Kala or something like that. Uh, so that's where the company name comes from. Mm -hmm. That's where the company name comes from. And I actually went to the exact house my dad was born in. Um, I such a culture shock. Dirt floors, yeah. just some cement up on a like two bedroom, uh, little curtains across for the doors to enter and whatnot. Really ground and just being able to see that for yourself. Mm -hmm. and and that's, that's where cool. you, you have a lot of people that came to Prince George or, or Canada in general, especially during the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, post Second World War, that really came from nothing. Mm -hmm. And you notice that there's a sense and a heightened level of, of gratitude yeah. with these individuals. And, and the, you don't have to come from nothing to realize how grateful you should be in mm -hmm. life. Like, I feel that I always encourage people to travel. Because w like you did when you went to India, yeah. or if you travel around to some different countries, especially third world countries, and you see individuals that literally have nothing, sometimes they could be the happiest people ever. And yeah. when you get back to Prince George, you're not complaining about anything. You're like, no, we have it pretty good here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I think it's the realizing what you have and being happy within and not trying to find outsource happiness. And I think like lots of people look at well especially my dad and think like oh and my brother must be nice but like I can't even explain to you I've watched my brother work like 24 hours consecutively in a row and red eyes and like we, I've gone out to service calls with him trying to get a truck running out in the bush and like you know he's I'm like let's pull over and take a nap and his eyes are red and I'm just like I've taken a couple naps because I was like okay like, what help am I gonna be at this point <laughs> um but yeah I've, I've watched my dad and they're the hardest two hardest pe working people I know and yeah. I've watched them grind it out and get to where we are and if I look back like now where we are now and to where we've come from like even if I go back to my dad where he's come from you know what I mean it's like 
it, it, he's self-made. Yeah. And it's cool. It's yeah. cool that he's kind of, in a sense, paving the road for my brother and myself and um, kind of showed us the way of entrepreneurship, I guess. Yeah. And the work yeah. ethic, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Because yeah. that, those values are instilled in, in yourself. And mm -hmm. and I could tell you're you're a person who wants to work hard mm -hmm. every day, right? Yeah. You, you, you like getting things done. You love productivity. Mm -hmm. And I also liked how you touched that there's a lot of camaraderie within mm -hmm. the industry, but probably a lot of burnout as mm -hmm. well. And I actually just finished this audiobook from Chris Hadfield, who we need to get on the podcast. He is a famous Canadian astronaut. He did three missions to space, and his audiobook is absolutely phenomenal. But he would talk about how every single year he would lose a close friend or colleague in wow. the industry. And he said, looking back over a 35 year career, mm -hmm. uh, whether it was, uh, as an astronaut with NASA or as a fighter pilot, or uh, just doing different flight schools, mm -hmm. that there was always one person per year on average that they would lose. And, oh, that, wow. and that you never desensitize to that, it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. every time. You noticed in the, the industry, in transportation and logistics and trucking, that in terms of, it, it's not, it, it can be a very dangerous profession, especially mm -hmm. when you, you mentioned 24 hour shifts and mm -hmm. uh, people burn it out and, and being yeah. fatigued. Do you notice that yeah. it can be very dangerous at times? It can be very, very dangerous. It's come a long way too. Like um, just with like the new regulations and stuff coming in compared to what it was even 10 years ago, it's, it's definitely improved. But like, I don't think some people realize like when something as simple as cut in front of a semi with a full load of, a full load of anything on and you're coming up to a light and you're cutting in front of them they don't have the same stopping power and can't stop on a dime you know what I mean so it's it's pretty crazy it is a dangerous industry for sure and you always have to be you have to have your head on a swivel because you don't know what's going to come at you and whatnot and a lot of hazard awareness and stuff yeah. like that is really important in the industry yeah. but it's the safety and the regulations are coming out are so good because you know we're getting into e-logs and stuff like that and um, like within our company, like we ha we have the resources that we don't even have to push people or anything, right? We we stick right around, like I would say, right around twelve hour days now. And you know, sometimes you'll push it a little longer, but it's it's changing for sure and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So, so safety aside, it, when you got your class one, was that two thousand eighteen? Yeah, it would have been 18. And so is it a lot more strict or a lot more hard to get it now? Because I've heard there are new regulations that in order to get the class one, it's a little bit more difficult. Much harder, yeah. 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 I, I remember when, so when I got my class one, I went in at the same time as um, my brother-in-law. He got his in like 30 days. Wrote his L, went and practiced for a bit, went in and wrote his class one test. It took me a little longer, but I was really nervous and had a lot of like learning to do, you know what I mean? But yeah, like now you're, you have to go through a MELT program and I don't know the full details on the MELT program, but I know it's a lot more pricey and a lot more difficult to actually get it, yeah. which is all good as well, right? And yeah, actually, like absolutely. in all honesty, I think getting your class one should borderline be on level with a trade because you get these people, they go out, especially before you go out, you get your class one, they wanna get paid 40, 45 bucks an hour because they have the class one now and then they'll jump from company to company because anybody's willing to pay you top dollar because th there's such a shortage for drivers that you know they can jump for a couple bucks an hour here and there and they can get paid top dollar right off the bat but it should be more like a trade and more of a thing that you earn because you don't you even in two years of driving you don't have the experience you know what i mean so like i would say someone with you're looking at 20 years of experience before you're, you're like can say you have experience almost right <laughs> or at least 10 for sure like it's a 
it's a huge learning curve and there's different things that get thrown at you every single day when you're out there. Yeah. Well, I think anyone looking for experience before they even decide if they want to take their class one is just to go to your social media channels mm -hmm. because you've done such a great job of documenting your experiences and your adventures, life on the road. You have the cutest dog. What's your dog's name? Kennedy. Kennedy? Yeah. yeah. Your dog comes everywhere with you. I think yeah. we have a, a picture of, of your dog. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but you get a witness. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you get to witness so many different areas of this gorgeous province of ours mm -hmm. in British Columbia that certain of, some of these areas you just know that not a lot of people have been to. And some yeah. of these sunrises and, and sunsets, what's it been like for you just to be able to witness all these various Canadian landscapes? It's incredible. I can't even put it into words, but an experience that like really took me like dropped my like jaw was I was going down the bush road and there was a crow like flying right beside my window and I rolled down my window this much and he was like maybe this far away from a window and he just flew beside me he's probably looking for food but it was just such a cool experience wow. that I don't think any like how many people get to experience that you know what I mean yeah I absolutely love crows just to yeah. say I know like there's such an in their intelligence level yeah. is so incredibly high which is why they're they're so prevalent but what an experience mm -hmm. just hanging out rolling down your window and, yeah. and it's just parallel and it was like you. it was almost like borderline creepy because is he gonna come in here like what's he gonna <laughs> what's his plan here kennedy's yeah. just like what is going on what yeah. is that thing yeah. yeah have you had any crazy experiences that stick out while you're you've been in the truck outside of that in terms of other wildlife or just something bizarre that you've seen from your vehicle um yeah if, wildlife is a huge thing like if there's so many times where you're just driving and I've had a moose like trotting right in front of my um, right in front of my truck so that's kind of cool and um, different things happen like one of my most um, memorable experiences when I was training with my dad he was fully loaded and he was going around a corner on the bush road and he slipped and I was in the I was in the pasture seat I grabbed on I was like Oh my goodness like i was freaking out and the, he the whole entire logging truck drifted around this corner and as calm as could be he just looks at me he goes i oh, guess i'm going a little too fast better slow down and i was just in my mind i was just like i want to be able to do that and then it happened to me and i was like i don't ever want to do that again that's the scariest thing ever but you know that just when you get ahead of yourself and or if you're rushing or like I was driving too fast too but the reason I was driving too fast because there was a guy behind me and I didn't want him to catch me because I'm competitive <laughs> <laughs> it was a good learning lesson because nothing happened and I was able to save it and I was able to do the same thing my dad did but it was it was a humbling experience because it's like you need to respect what's, what you're driving here you know what I mean like yeah. get, put, throw your ego out the window and drive safely and slow down and like you know what I mean and after that it was like little experiences like that can be catastrophic and when they're not catastrophic you learn so much from them yeah. and then it, it yeah it's a very humbling experience when something like that happens to you and you're okay and then after i was like kind of celebrating in my seat i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like that can't happen again that could have gone either way <laughs> it could have gone either way <laughs> luck yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so so when you talk to because you, you must have a lot of people that reach out to you male and female mm -hmm. uh, younger people especially that are interested in getting into the industry mm -hmm. or might just want to hear about your experiences actually uh, selling our executive producer in the studio he's going to bring his, his friend brooklyn to mm -hmm. the podcast and you know she's in her, her early 20s and, and and if somebody like that reached out to you just asking like you know what steps can i take or or, or how has your experience been in a male-dominated in industry what kind of advice would you give to them 
I think the first thing I would say is jump in a truck. Um, whether it be with me or like, you know, we can, we can usually set it up with people that, um, especially because we are really innovative of bringing new people in the industry, we set it up so they can go for a job shadow and jump out there and sit in a passenger seat with somebody and drive down the mountains or whatever you, you know what I mean? So you can really experience it and see if you can sit that long and um, see if you're capable of doing it or maybe it's a couple shifts so it's just like kind of job shadow in a sense and that'll give you a really good understanding on if you if something you could do yeah um, that's my first step I would say and then um, yeah just figuring out from there and I think getting a mentor that can really take you into the wing because um, I would say trucking in general but getting into the logging industry is more difficult than just getting um, hauling on the highways because there's so much more that you have to like that you go through right and yeah. different challenges on those roads and whatnot yeah that, that's good advice and I, I like how you pointed out that see, see how long somebody can be sedentary for mm -hmm. because that might even be an issue that people don't even anticipate but mm -hmm. you're going to be sedentary for quite some time how have you dealt with that because you're an athlete mm -hmm. uh, you're somebody who respects and really thrives on on body movement mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about some of your sports history in, in mm -hmm. a bit here has that ever been an issue for you where you find yourself sedentary for too long and your your mind starts playing games on you and you have a lot of time to think for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it it is a challenge for sure i think when you stop and making sure you're doing your stops and walking around or doing a little jog around your truck a few times is very helpful and um listening to podcasts and educating yourself like you can learn crap ton of stuff you must go through <laughs> so many audiobooks yeah. and podcasts yeah even now like being in the office I listen to audiobooks quite a bit and yeah. whatnot but yeah that passes the time for sure and I think sitting for that long is hard on the body it's hard on the mind but as long as you I guess outside of work even though you're tired after work and as long as you like um, prioritize working out and moving your body then you're you could be pretty with it yeah, yeah. after a, a long like, 12 hour shift mm -hmm. yeah. it'd be way too easy just to want to go home but you, eat and go to sleep yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and so you mentioned like yeah she st stopped the vehicle and like run around and yeah. like, do some squats just to get some yeah blood flowing yeah I would even like if I was typically I'd go early so I'd have like a little bit of time to waste before I was under the loader and I would do like I'd do little workouts jump squats lunges whatever push-ups do a little jog, <laughs> take the dog for a walk. Yeah. That's nice. So you talked about mentorship, somebody that might be getting into the industry, like find a mentor. What kind of mentorship have you had? I, I know you must have received a lot of mentorship from your dad, from your uncle. Mm -hmm. Can you think about some other mentors that played an instrumental role in, in your development mm -hmm. and, and where you are today? Yep, There's a so we had a couple drivers in our company um, that spent quite a bit of time with me too, learning. And I think that's what made me so successful is I had my dad who I drive with, I had my brother, I had a couple of our coworkers, and so I got bits of information from each one and I would take what worked best for me and made me a well-rounded driver and I didn't wasn't just going off of one person's opinion. I got a lot of different experience. And then I guess I was in the truck with someone for about, I think it was almost nine months that I was training for. Great way to build I, the confidence. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. And th like these trucks that you're, how, how many wheels in total is there over 25 then or mm -hmm. um typically 18 to 32 anywhere wow anywhere from there yeah wow yeah. and then is that seven axle then or um so we we have anywhere from seven axle and nine axles now nine axles are kind of a new thing within the last i think couple years it's been wow yeah and so those are some pretty big loads coming out of there so i have to ask do you get to a job site where you're out in the bush 
and then you get out of your vehicle and there might be some some other people there and they just look over and they're like who is this <laughs> uh yeah it's happened a couple times <laughs> yeah like yeah. you just get hit on all the time or all of a sudden this guy's like wow i don't know. think i get hit on like i'm you know i i think i i, I think maybe the way i present myself in a sense like I have to say, working in a male-dominated industry, I've had very, very, very few problems or any, but no one's ever really been inappropriate. A couple people have said I belong in the kitchen, but that's about it. Really? <laughs> yeah, one guy when I first started it was um, saying, like, just going off about females don't belong in the industry and stuff. And I get that on my social media, too, sometimes. But I've learned the hard way. I just don't retaliate to them because I've had, I've had, like, recently on my social media, I've had somebody threaten me. So I'm just like, wow. yeah, it's not or worth it. Or being in the industry? Or? Well, he he was saying, uh, you belong in the kitchen. So I kind of got a little bit mopey back. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to, to ignore some comments. <laughs> <So. laughs> Those comment feeds can be the most negative place in the world. And then I was like, too. you know what? I don't, my page has been overall very positive mm-hmm. and influential. So I can't be getting into that stuff. And then um, there's been times like I actually, this is a funny story. I don't know if he knew I was a girl or not, but um, he cut me off at, place at uh, Brookside going up to Vanderhoof and so I put on my air horn and held it down for a really long time and he threw a sandwich out the window at me. I was like, it was pretty funny because I was like, well, you just you lost, just lost lunch. your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> Joke's looked, on you, buddy. I was pretty mad at the time though and I was just like, but then I've calmed down and like, you know, like don't retaliate to things like that and I think overall being a female in a male-dominated industry, I've had so much respect and people supporting me and if I'm broke down they'll stop and help me or something happens you know what I mean and I probably helps that my dad and brother in the industry and they're pretty well known and my uncle you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. I mean I have a lot of protection and whatnot so I think yeah I think it's over it's overall pretty good and I don't know like you know yeah everyone's pretty good (laughs) first of all I'm still laughing that somebody threw their sandwich at you (laughs) it's pretty funny not a lot of people on this planet can say that they've had a sandwich thrown at them on the road but I one trick that I learned from a young age because everyone gets road rage you know you get cut off and it just like it infuriates mm-hmm. you. It just lights something inside of you. It's, it's, it's human nature. Wakens a monster. <laughs> it, it, it does. And, and you must witness a lot of that yeah. being on the road so mm-hmm. often. And one one thing, thing that I learned at a very young age, I think I was 25, somebody said to me, whenever you're cut off in traffic, imagine that it was your grandma who accidentally cut you off. Yeah. And so every time I'm ever cut off or I see somebody do something stupid on the road, I just immediately picture my grandma and she did it accidentally. Yeah. And then like rage just dissipates. Yeah, that's a a good tactic. Yeah, yeah. I saw a post from you, I think it was last week, maybe a bit longer. You have this beautiful new rig, purple. Yeah. And this thing is gorgeous. I don't know. Thank you. you. Did you name it? Yeah, I'm going to name it Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, that that is. The truck is Beauty and I'm the Beast, and so is the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. And so part of the post, it might have been a reel, but Mm -hmm. you said that you sold your house to buy this truck. Yes. So long story short um i wasn't actually living in my house i was renting an apartment and it was it was a rental property kind of thing and it has been my dream to have a purple w9 like even when i was driving before in my trucks i'd i'd be driving down the road and i'd be envisioning myself in in this truck this exact truck wow. so where did you get it? were you able to get it in northern bc or did you yeah, get, yeah yeah yep yeah. so our sales guy at kenworth he's awesome um jeff he 
helped us pick out all our trucks and get them up here. We actually ordered, so I ordered mine in March and we ordered them as a fleet because when we mm -hmm. order them as a fleet, we get a little bit of a better deal. And so all together, I think there was 14 trucks ordered and that was one of them. Wow. And they just, they just started coming in. You must take mm -hmm. so much pride just knowing that this is yours and that you worked hard yeah. to get it. Yeah, very exciting, yeah. Yeah, are you nervous at all? Just be like, oh, I don't want any. I don't want to drive it. I don't want it to go on the bush roads. I don't want to get it dirty. <laughs> yeah, well, it stands out. Yeah. That is a, a beautiful ride. I'd like to go to truck shows. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. How um, does it feel knowing various people in Northern British Columbia? And, and one person I want to bring up is Arlene mm -hmm. from, from Diamond, because that is somebody who really inspires me as, as well. I, I, I also feel like there's some similarities between yeah. you and Arlene, just because she's such a go-getter and she's doing some amazing things entrepreneurially. Is, yeah. there, is there other people like that in this community that, that you, you see what they're doing? You're saying that is motivation for me. I'm glad you actually brought her up because she was a huge movement in my life. Oh, um, nice. I So f there was a temporary time where I quit Mala for my dad and I went and worked for Arlene. My brother actually works for one of her businesses, Diamond Mechanical. Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. great guy. So you met him too. Yeah. Um, and so I was working for Lodgewood for Arlene for a while and she, she, she built confidence in me that I never even knew I had. And she inspired me and yes, she's like such a boss lady and she's so inspiring because she, she's like, she's goals. She really yeah. has goals and yeah, yeah, she had a huge movement and even getting a truck. She, she, I remember when I told her I want to own a truck, she's like, Go, to, go down to Freightliner right now and go get finance. And what are you waiting for? Go talk to Tom. <laughs> she, and she just, you know, she just gave me that push and that boost of confidence. Like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. And yeah, she's definitely a big mover in my life and a very inspiring woman and definitely goals. Yeah, yeah. personification of inspiration. We were down there at her shop and you could just tell there is probably about 15 different people, mechanics, because mm -hmm. they're doing mechanical refrigeration and lodge wood. And there's about 15 people at her location mm -hmm. that day and you could tell they all had respect for her yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and, and it wasn't like she was try, trying to be their boss mm -hmm. she was speaking like they're on the same team with mm -hmm. the same goals and they're working towards these goals together totally. and, I, and like you said with leadership like real leaders to me they're not looking to be like in leadership positions or where they have to show leadership they're they're looking to build leaders mm -hmm. they're looking to use their leadership to create leaders within their team yeah. And, and Arlene fits that perfectly. She does, yeah. Another person is, is Dan O'Brien, one mm -hmm. of her friends. And I was able to meet Dan last year. And I think the first time we met him and, and his uh, general manager, Dardo, yeah. we sat in his boardroom for, for three hours. And we're going to talk about some marketing work that, that their company required. And we didn't even get to marketing. We we're just you know talking about just life stories. Just conversation. And, yeah, and, and just to hear like a, a gentleman that, that came from nothing mm -hmm. and, and built them themselves up. Like that, that is, is to me, when, when you can create something out of nothing, and anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. Anybody can create something out of nothing. Yeah. You just have to find out exactly where your passions are. Mm -hmm. And there's this... There's this young entrepreneur, her name is Danny. Mm -hmm. She's in Prince George, she's the owner of, of North Soul Studios. And she was talking about passion, and this is what really interested me, how like it's easy to say, follow your passion or find your passion, mm -hmm. but it, it's actually a difficult progress to know what you're gonna be passionate about, right? Totally. And so she was saying like, find things you're curious about yeah. and, and, and pursue those. And then from one of those things that you're curious about, mm -hmm. you're gonna be able to find something that, that passion overtakes that and then yeah. it's what you think about and strive towards every day. Mm -hmm. I really like that mindset from her. That is cool. I think, yeah, the, the, something that sticks out too, another one is John Brink, his method, work ethic, passion, attitude. Yeah. 
yeah. those are definitely keys to success like you yeah. know when you it, you have to have the right attitude and the right mindset right to be able to actually do something yeah. your your mind can be the biggest thing that holds you back right yeah and yeah pretty cool. you know mindset is everything because mm -hmm. we can be our own worst critic mm -hmm. and we're usually like the number one the number one person in your life that's going to try to convince you not to do something is yourself yeah right you can think of all the different reasons why it's not a good idea why yeah. the timing isn't right it's you know a, a perilous by analysis where yeah. you just hold yourself back but that's where failure is such a good thing like mm -hmm. like people need to start stop being so afraid of failure because the most successful people i know mm -hmm. have failed their way to success there yeah. there's been some major speed bumps along the way and and not giving up in situations where most people would mm -hmm. is such a key attribute to success as well yeah absolutely yeah i think fear holds a lot of people back actually hey yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely if you're afraid to take the leap and go then you know it's you'll stay in your comfort zone yeah there's the comfort the zone is a dangerous place to be <laughs> <laughs> very overrated place yeah. to be yeah. yeah definitely so you played a lot of sports growing up and I didn't know this until today oh, actually, really? that you played well I, I knew that you played soccer yeah and 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 you're you're quite damn good too you ended up going to Hawaii yeah. yeah yeah so what age were you when you guys went to Hawaii grade 12 grade 12 yeah. and so yeah. was that through the PGYSA or PGSS was yeah PGSS? so it was, it was our high school team and every five years I don't know if they still do it but they would go um, and compete in Hawaii and wow. the Hawaiian teams are really good like yeah. really well, good training year-round right with no snow yeah and, and the funny thing is like as far as like talent goes I don't know if I had the same amount of talent that some of the other girls that had been playing all their life because I didn't play very long I played when I was a kid and I was allergic to pollen so I never like I, I wasn't able to actually play outdoors so then I didn't actually necessarily have as much talent and honestly the reason I got on that team was my work ethic yeah. and that just ties back into work to get places you need to have a strong work ethic you need yeah. to be willing to grind and do what others aren't willing to do to be able to get places that other people aren't going to be right what's the old quote hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work yeah, hard yeah, yeah. totally and, yeah. and so grade 12 was it oahu that you went the or what island were you uh honolulu nice yeah awesome yeah were you playing in aloha stadium like the, the massive stadium no we were outdoors on the fields oh cool yeah yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool my oldest sister lives in honolulu oh really yeah she moved there oh cool she did her undergrad in Victoria at UVic mm -hmm. and then got a scholarship to do her master's in Cincinnati oh, yeah. and she always wanted to come back to British Columbia she's like oh I want to come back to BC that's where family is yeah. and then she had this job offer and it was in Honolulu cool. and so she's like oh well maybe go there for a year and then make it back to BC after that that was in 2004 <laughs> <laughs> Never so returned. 17 years ago yeah she's got three beautiful yeah. kids there now and, cool. and she was just sending me pictures yesterday of them uh, playing soccer really and yeah yeah interesting so is that a vacation spot for you yeah well pre-pandemic uh, yeah. we were trying to go there as often as we could because cool. accommodation is always the most expensive thing yeah when you're there and when you get it for free it's like Why well, not? more money for surfing lessons yeah totally <laughs> that's cool another sport that you played growing up and oh, well this might have been into your your 20s as mm -hmm. well and i i sent my buddy actually a good buddy of selling and mm -hmm. and me uh, rich abney i sent him a message this morning and i was mm -hmm. like thank you for the content during this interview with ashley later on because i had no idea she played lacrosse oh that's so funny and he did a feature <laughs> video on you yeah. so we're gonna bring that video up and and watch it because oh god <laughs> i have to watch myself <laughs> you, you were just a, a, a young pup at the time and yeah. what, what age did you start playing lacrosse um 
grade eight. Grade eight. My dad said, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you join lacrosse. And I was like, yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I joined the female team and I ended up, I scored a goal every game and I'm very competitive and I'm just, just naturally, and it's, it probably is my um, worst attribute is how competitive I am when it comes to this stuff. So if I try something and I'm not good and can't become the best at it, I'm just, my attitude is, this is where attitude comes in. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do it. Um, I've worked on it since like becoming like more mature and becoming an adult. But when I was younger, if I started something and I wasn't good, like my dad put me in hockey too and I couldn't skate. And I was like, I would not even go to a practice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, my dad gave me a hundred bucks to join and I did and I ended up loving it. And then I ended up playing up until, oh gosh, probably I was 25, I think it was. Nice. Yeah. yeah, well, I didn't know that. I always thought that lacrosse was Canada's national sport, but it's actually Canada's national summer sport. Yeah. And then hockey is the national winter sport. Yeah. And, I, and lacrosse has been on my mind a lot in the last week because there's a local athlete that we provided some sponsorship for last Thursday. Mm -hmm. His name's Cole, phenomenal athlete, great guy. His dad was born in Scotland. He, he's okay. from Prince George. And so with his dad being born in Scotland, he was able to qualify for the Scottish national team and cool. play for them. Yeah, so he got a, a lacrosse scholarship in Alabama, and he's been playing for Team Scotland, so he's going over there and, wow. and playing seasons and, and box lacrosse, and, and he was training out of Dundee, which is where my parents are from. Oh, really? Really cool guy, really inspirational. You guys should connect. Just that's a, cool. A, a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. And, and that's the thing about Prince George is, it, like, we're, we're such a four-season town that we have all mm -hmm. these amazing athletes in both winter sports yep. and summer sports. I mean, Marietta O'Dine, mm -hmm. you know, just qualifies for the Olympics yesterday. The snowboarder. Yeah, yeah. The, the snowboard I just saw cross. that, I was like, oh, Incredible. that's so cool. Uh, Emily Dixon, uh, there's a, an athlete, a, a biathlete, who just qualified for the, the games as well. And Sarah Boutry, another mm -hmm. amazing local product who's, I think, training out of Canmore, Alberta now. She's on the 2022 Beijing Olympic team. So That's cool. go PG City. A lot of City. talent that comes out of here. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. watch this video. Lacrosse can be a ruthless game with body checking, cross checks, slashes, and more. Some might say that makes it a man's game, but not according to Ashley Sadu. She suits up for the Cowboy Ranch Regional Security Stylers of the PG Senior Lacrosse League. Number 18 on the Cowboy Ranch Regional Security Stylers is a little different than the rest of the team. Ashley Sadu grew up watching her brothers play and got her first taste of lacrosse at a girls' practice six years ago. I went out and tried and I loved it. I was scoring goals every single game on the girls' team, so it made me want to go for the boys to try even to get like better. A women's lacrosse this season, but the numbers weren't there, giving her no other option but to suit up in the senior men's league. We're a two-player short for a junior A girls' team and we're short. I wasn't actually going to play this year, and then my team talked me into it. What she lacks in size, she makes up for with her effort and tenacity. I work hard. I try my hardest all the time, no matter what. Sometimes I get frustrated, but I pull through, and I don't know. Hard work is what gets me where I am today. Her Stylers teammates see her as one of the guys and say it's easy to forget she's a 21-year-old woman. She doesn't shy away from it. She, she, play, she chose to play. She embraces it. She goes out there playing with the guys. She's not afraid to get hit. She's great. She sets picks. She does her job. Phenomenal. Lacrosse is known for its intensity and physical nature. Though she hears the odd remark on the floor, Sadu has her own unique way of dealing with it. 
It's tough because like sometimes even guys will be like, oh, girls shouldn't be playing out here and stuff like that. But I just shrug it off. <laughs> just try my hardest and hopefully I knock them over, which not it doesn't always happen, but <laughs> I try. Sadhu's teammates say she's improving with each and every game. And that's a good thing because she certainly has no plans of slowing down. I'll probably play for the rest of my life until I can't anymore. <laughs> awesome. I don't play anymore. <laughs> shout out. Eight years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the 21-year-old Ashley Sadu for providing us with this content and Rich Abney as well. That's I think funny. we have to pay him like $12 in royalties to play this. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you, yeah. you, you watch this video mm -hmm. and you're so driven back then, like, mm -hmm. like you are today, just your, your competitiveness and, and, and wanting to, to break down barriers. And mm -hmm. that trickled into your career and, and other areas of your life. Yeah. Which brings me to my next question. I mean, what is next for you? Because I, I feel like you've always had big goals. Yeah. And, and what do you have on the radar, whether it's a, a short-term, medium-term, mm -hmm. long-term goal? Do you have some things cooking in the kitchen? Yeah, I think really right now my focus for so immediate is to work on the new company and really build it and um, dial it in and whatnot and probably as far as Mala Trucking goes we'll probably just work on getting our managers in place which we have a business manager now so we've come a far ways and whatnot and then I think work on the mechanical company and I really really my biggest goal is probably to branch out into um, I guess inspiring more people in male-dominated industri industries, especially females. I actually, I applied for, um, with, through BC Seawood, I think it is, and it's like females in trades, and I applied for this leadership course, and I didn't even think I was gonna get into it, because I'm like, I don't have a trade, but I applied to it as in like, you know, I hire people that are qualified trades people, and I'm always looking, and I'm trying to find women to come into our industry, so I applied for it as that, and I ended up getting into it. So nice. I'm hoping to, yeah, you know more, get into, um, I guess more of a mentorship role and guiding people, women in particular, that are intimidated to get into these industries because it is intimidating. I, I never thought at that age I'd be doing what I'm doing now, right? Um, so yeah, I think more like go that route and be able to be a par bigger part of the community. Um, yeah. I think it's my biggest goal. And you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you in terms of, of labor shortages with your current role just because it's not just your industry, but all industries mm -hmm. are, are facing massive labor shortages, Oh, yeah. Right? Lots of... We, we're always looking for mechanics and whatnot, so there's definitely some pressure there for, to find good, yeah. qualified people, and, and then finding people that fit in and have the right attitude, right? Yeah. It's yeah. super important. I, I don't know if this is kind of an odd question, but uh, has drugs and alcohol been a problem in the industry, in, in transportation? Have you, have you noticed that being a problem or an issue? Um, I, I don't know, like within our company, we have, we have no issues with it at all. Like uh, I have to say we have a really good crew and we don't even like, people don't even really call them sick or anything. Right. So, but I would say there, there, it is out there, like mm -hmm. there, it is out there. And I think, um, I've heard about it and whatnot. I have never really been directly involved in it and we haven't really had any problems or issues with our on our side of things at least. Yeah, the, the reason why I was asking is we're at this local nonprofit in town, it's, it's called AWAC, it's Advocating for Women and Community, mm -hmm. and they have a, a head office and a shelter on George Street, but also one on Third Avenue, and so we met with one of their executive directors, really good guy, and, and he was telling us how they have this event, Coldest Night of the Year, mm -hmm. fundraiser coming up in February, and he was telling us, we're, we're talking to some individuals who 
were in recovery, mm -hmm. and it, there was one in seven months, one in a, a year, and then one that just hit the two-year anniversary, and, and they're talking about how just as, as short of a period of two years ago, mm -hmm. where somebody that might start using drugs or get addicted to drugs to the time where like their drug it might lead to an overdose or, or death mm -hmm. was so much longer than how powerful the drugs are today. So oh. it's like such a shorter period for when somebody starts using and when there's an overdose. Where, really? And it was so interesting hearing that. Like they said, just even a couple of years ago, it used to just be this long period of time where an overdose could happen, mm -hmm. but the drugs are getting stronger and stronger by the day. And we see it in the streets of Prince George and other yeah. Canadian communities. It's a global pandemic mm -hmm. uh, where the opioid crisis and just the drug crisis in, in general is so really sad. taking grip in communities and it's, it's so sad. And so it was just an interest in hearing him say how this, like from start to overdose, mm -hmm. that, that period is just shrinking by the day. Oh. Yeah, it's it a very tragic conversation. Scary. Yeah, yeah, very scary. So I, I, I was just kind of curious if it affects your industry or not. Another thing I want to talk about is when this pandemic first arrived, this global pandemic in March of, of 2020, mm -hmm. was it rewarding for you being in the login and, and transportation logistics industry to see so many of your fellow colleagues, your work colleagues, mm -hmm. being recognized for the great work they do, being recognized for essential services and, mm -hmm. and being praised? Where, where it was, they were highlighted along with healthcare workers as these essential workers that were getting people their goods and, and their products to their door, to the to the shelves of mm -hmm. grocery stores. Yeah, totally. It was it was quite nice to see, you know, because like I said in the beginning, like sometimes um, the truckers out there they don't get recognized for what they're doing and you know how strenuous their job actually is and what they're what they're out there accomplishing. So it was cool. It was really nice to see. Yeah, yeah. and then you're as a. A, a trucker, if you're in transportation, you're dealing with so many different elements of of wildlife and weather mm -hmm. and and fatigue and like look at the what British Columbia has been through in the last year yeah. in terms of the wildfires of last summer, the flooding of yeah. this past fall, mm -hmm. and even the last couple of weeks, how you've seen these fluctuating temperatures, yeah. and and now we have these mandates that are coming yeah. down by the government saying that all truckers have to be vaccinated. Yeah. So is that to get into the United States or to come back into Canada? From what I know, yes. Like, I believe it's for that border crossing. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a, a convoy on its way to, to Ottawa to protest right now. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I saw the GoFundMe for that, and they're at, like, like almost $700,000 or something in terms of people just donating to, to support yeah. that convoy. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show how important... Um, the trucks on our roads are right yeah. and how much they are really needed right? yeah. in the industry yeah so what drives you the most in terms of getting out of bed in the morning because mm -hmm. I'm sure you, you're probably waking up at 3 a.m. on some days or 3 30 a.m. Mm -hmm. like what gets you out of the bed in the morning and just you know makes you want to go out there and, and give it your best um, well I work in the office now so I get, I get to stay sleep <laughs> until like 8 <laughs> um, but Overall, what drives me is being able to essentially build an empire with my family. And myself, my dad, my brother, we're all kind of on the same page and we're all working to a common goal. And it's, it's pretty cool to see how a family can work so closely together and we all get along great. I don't <laughs> want to change this here. Um, but actually to tie back to lacrosse, so that team, that video, I, my 
so there was myself, um, Josh, my, one of my older brothers, Dustin, my oldest brother, he played for a little bit. My younger brother, Mark, and my dad all played on that team. Wow. So, you know, the team dynamic comes, now it's it's playing into business, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see. But yeah, I think working with the family and building our dreams together and all being on the same page and mending and working together and that's probably the coolest part and the biggest driver for sure. Yeah, there, yeah. see these are similar characteristics that, that you're displaying right now that we've seen in so many of, of our guests that have been on this podcast and we had the honor of, of being able to, to interview Rick Hansen mm -hmm. and, and, and Selen and Andrew were in the studio. We were over at Blake Productions and, and just hearing this individual, this, this legend, talk about his Man in Motion world tour in, in the 80s and, and everything that went into that. It's so interesting because they had little fanfare mm -hmm. when, when they started the tour. Like they're, they actually, Rick Hansen, his goal was to wheel across the world and, and raise awareness and money for spinal cord research. And so they're going to do it in this little like minivan camper. Cool. And so what they did to prepare for it was his support crew, they came into and moved into Rick's little apartment in Vancouver. And they all lived there for a few months together in this cramped little apartment just to see if they wouldn't kill each other. Wow, hey. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good test. <laughs> and that's, yeah, it's a great test. But it, the, the great thing about podcasting is, is it forces you to do research all these fascinating Canadians mm -hmm. like yourself and, and to educate in yourself in, in their areas. Yeah. And with Rick Hansen, it was the best part of that podcast came in the fact that we started learning and and, and educating ourselves in his story again. And we were able to share yeah. his story again because it's up there with other legends like, like Terry Fox. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that when Terry Fox was getting ready to start his his actual Marathon of Hope, his cross-country uh, St. John's Newfoundland to BC run, that Rick Hansen and him were on the same wheelchair basketball team. Really? Uh, yeah, they are friends in Vancouver, and they actually came up to Prince George in 1979, September 1979. Wow. They came up to Prince George for a race, which was called the Prince George to Boston Marathon. Mm -hmm. And it was organized by Dick Von Eugene, who was a, a guest on this podcast as well. Cool. He's in his 90s now and a fascinating story. He used to hide Jewish people with his family during World War II in, wow. in Holland. Yeah. And so they came up to this race in September and Terry Fox was supposed to do the, the, the half version of the race, the half distance. Mm -hmm. But he was so motivated by the crowd in Prince George and the fact that he was feeling strong. He did the full race. He, he finished last. And, but he had a standing ovation by the time he was done. The person who came in first in that race came and gave him his medal. And it was that race, PG to Boston Marathon in Prince George, that gave Terry Fox the motivation to do the Marathon Hope the following year. Wow. And Rick Hansen came up to Prince George with him at that race. Wild. Wild, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Such a small world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so Daryl Fox, Terry Fox's youngest, brother is somebody who I, I keep in touch with. We follow each other on Strava yeah. and we send each other notes every now and then. He, and he's equally as, as motivated. And he came up to Prince George when uh, Tracy and the Exploration Place had the exhibit on Terry mm -hmm. Fox and they had his actual <clears throat> Ford, uh, 1975 Ford minivan that they used for the Marathon of, of Hope. It was up at UMBC on display. Cool. Very cool time. And the reason why I'm talking about Terry Fox a lot is because we always ask our podcast guests, mm -hmm. 
to name a Canadian who inspires them and they could be dead or alive, mm -hmm. but if you could have a conversation with any Canadian, somebody who really motivates you, mm -hmm. somebody who's been a, a role model in your life, who would it be? And the reason why I brought up Terry Fox before is because that's our most common answer. So yeah. you're not allowed to say Terry Fox. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be anyone. It could be a musician, it could be an athlete, it could be a, a business titan, it could be absolutely anybody. Who, who would come to mind? Who did you want to have that conversation with? So, can I say two? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jordan Peterson and Tony Robbins. Ooh. Um, I've listened to a lot of their um, speeches and their um, like their. I've yeah. watched Tony Robbins. I recommend everybody to, to watch it on um, Netflix. It's it's I'm not your guru. Such a good show, and that's what actually made me introduce me to Tony Robbins or Robbins or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So him and Jordan Peterson are like very influential people to me, and they they've helped me think different and like you know they're they're very very inspiring people I don't know if you've listened to any of the stuff they say or whatnot Jordan Peterson in particular he's so articulate and the way he he talks is just I, it's so mesmerizing to me I just I love listening to him speak yeah and then um Tony he's just very inspirational and motivational and whatnot those are fantastic answers mm -hmm. with Jordan Peterson who is in a bit of hot water right now with leaving his university position and uh, in Toronto uh, I, I feel like like I'll, I'll listen to one of his speeches or or one of his podcast episodes and sometimes like like even if you listen to it again a couple more times like you gain something from it each each time mm -hmm. like I, it, it's hard to conceptualize like how somebody can be that intelligent yeah and it just seems so seamless right? yeah yeah and yeah. he's from uh, northern Alberta which oh is really? Very cool, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's just like every time you re-listen to one of his stuff, you can pick up more information from it because he's so like he gets so in depth about things and whatnot. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and he's gained massive following online, and that's mm -hmm. where you have to. Like we kind of talked about social media before, how some of those comment feeds can mm -hmm. really manifest the negative side of social media. What you don't want, yeah. But it, 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 social media is like anything mm -hmm. in life. It's it's how you look at it and how you utilize it. Yeah. If you log into your Facebook page mm -hmm. or your, your timeline and, and you think to yourself like, oh, this is a dark place and social media sucks, and that's mm -hmm. probably what you're gonna find. Yeah. That's probably the content that you're gonna be attracted mm -hmm. to. And, but if you go into social media, open up one of your channels and just think that you can connect with people and you can be inspired and you can provide inspiration, then, mm -hmm. then that's what you're gonna discover. Yeah. It's all about mindset, which we talked about yeah. before as well. And so like this, the social media given people like brilliant minds like Jordan Peterson, mm -hmm. the ability to share their knowledge with others. Yeah. And I like when you have professors, like actual like professors that are, are providing uplifting motivational content mm -hmm. for other people when all of a sudden they get to celebrity status. Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful because those are the kind of people that should be celebrities. Yeah, absolutely. The ones that are helping others. Yeah. And then it's really, that, that's a great answer. And I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about that answer. <laughs> so before we end this, this podcast episode, we just had one more video that we wanted to bring up because this is a video that we started the episode with mm -hmm. when we talked about the, our collaboration and when we had Brady with us and he followed along with one of your rides yeah. and he br brought out his drone. Look at that for Northern British Columbia winter scenery. We're about in... Is, was this out towards Vanderhoof, out west? Yeah, or? Fort okay. St. James. 
Yeah, look at that. Like these are the kind of landscapes people see and they, they think paradise, but we yeah. desensitize to them yeah. sometimes, right? You have to almost remind yourself like, yeah, we're lucky to have this kind of scenery. How do you get comfortable? Mm-hmm. also known as the Mala Girl, and I drive a logging truck in based out of Prince George. I started driving, I've actually just hit my one year. I got my class one last November. I started training the February before with my dad and brother and a couple other workers that work at Mala Trucking. Um, I got into it because I quit my job and I didn't really know what I was gonna do. And my dad just said, well, you should go get your class one, it's a good fallback plan just in case you never have work or whatever, and then I ended up really loving it. The best part about my job is the fact that I get to work with my family. We're a pretty close-knit family, and I think it's the coolest thing ever to be able to work alongside um, my brother and my dad. Well, my brothers and my dad. Um, I hope to eventually have my own trucking company or maybe just like a spur off of what Mala Trucking already is. Um, I'm super proud of our family name. Um, I'm the only girl that's actually on my dad's side. I'm the only girl. There's no other nieces. They're all nephews. They all have boys. So I would love to be able to, one, make my ancestors super proud and to give future generations someone to look up to and something to kind of work towards. So being um, one of the few female truckers, it's actually, it's not bad. Like for the most part, I have a lot of support from everybody, um, family, friends, other truckers. I started my Instagram page um, a few months back. I always wanted to do an uh, Instagram page based on trucking, but I was like a little bit nervous because you're kind of like putting yourself out there. And like previously before my Mala Girl page, I never really even took pictures of my face or like selfies or anything like that. I always felt really awkward in front of a, like not in front of a camera, but like just like putting myself out there. So I actually went to a psychic and she brought up, I didn't say anything about it. She brought up, she said, you're thinking about doing something on social media and you should do it because it's really gonna take off. And so that's kind of what started it. I got my name because when I started trucking, um, people didn't really know my name. They just said, oh, hey, are you the Mala girl? So that's, that's where it came from. And eh, it kind of stuck. <laughs> people say that how many people even think of their ancestors in terms of being motivated to make them proud yeah that's crazy I didn't even thought of that yeah yeah I like that you said that and I think that anybody watching this 
here's some advice from the Mal girl is do something that would make your ancestors proud. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much for, for being a guest on Crazy Damn Canadians. We're podcast number 32. It wouldn't be possible without that man right there selling Alpe and his generosity and his, his belief in us. So thank you, sir. Thank you. How do people follow you online and, and social media? Um, I go by the Mala Girl on all my social media platforms. Perfect. So yeah. the Mala Girl, M A L L A. Yeah. All right. The Mala Girl, Ashley, you rock. <laughs> Thank Keep you. Up the great work. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Andrew, hit the studio 720.